Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at the Fez Agency. Did you all know that Portugal is currently ranked the number one country in the world for remote workers? Yeah, that's right. Number one in the entire world. With the beautiful weather mixed with the history, friendly people, incredible coastline, and awesome cuisine, it is really easy to understand why. And in fact, some of our most popular episodes here on About Abroad are about Portugal. So I already know that you all love it, and I'm not going to waste your time trying to convince you to go visit. But what I will try to convince you of is planning your next company retreat there. And when you do, to use the Fez Agency. Fez Agency is local, right there from Porto, with people on the ground to help you plan your company retreat. They can map out every single detail of your offsite anywhere in the country of Portugal. So that way you can arrive, you can unwind and recharge with your teammates without the stress. You all know you love it there. I know you'll love it there. So let's get your team there. And the next time you're planning a company offsite, consider Portugal and then contact my friends over at the Fez Agency to make it happen. You can visit them via the link in the show notes. My guest today is Linda McCall. She is the co-founder and CMO at Nomad Stays, a booking platform specifically for digital nomads trying to bring down the cost and accessibility to awesome properties for long-term stays for digital nomads. And she's a digital nomad herself, living one to three months on the road in different places around the world, mainly in Europe right now. But their platform is spread across more than 60 countries, and she has traveled to more than 70 countries, including lapping around Australia and the US and multiple other continents on her motorcycle and now enjoying time living in the French Alps and seeing more and more of Europe. So she is a true digital nomad and a platform builder and someone that is really inspiring in terms of how she's chosen to live her life. So a lot of fun talking with her. I hope you enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Linda to About Abroad. Yeah. So, I mean, I can hear by your accent, you are obviously not European. <laughs> uh, I'm picking up a little Aussie there and uh, I actually didn't didn't really realize that. I don't think so. You, Where are you based actually? Thanks, Jace. Well, we're actually based in the Rhone Alps in France. As you can hear, I'm not French. <laughs> I'm Australian. <laughs> and so my, my French is, is not that great. And however, it's, um, it's, Good fun being in the Rhone Alps because there's lots of uh, places to go adventuring and uh, it's a it's a perfect sort of area if you love the outdoors uh, even in winter. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's so much to do in that part of France. France is kind of like an insanely beautiful country. I mean when you think about it, it has like the Alps, it has the Pyrenees, it has the Mediterranean, it has wine country, it's got Paris of course, and the north in Normandy is is sort of like forgotten amidst all those, but it's it's one of the most incredibly beautiful places I've ever been. It's a it's a country that's got quite a bit. It's uh it's pretty attractive. Yeah, well, where we're based at the moment is um is it's called 
It's near a lake called Lac de Bourget, and uh, it's about an, about an hour from Geneva. But it's the deepest, one of the deepest lakes in in France. So it, it's and it's quite fascinating from the history it has um, around World War Two, and it's the and the hiking trails are just incredible. Where we live, we were actually on the hiking trail that goes all the way down through to Spain. <clears throat> so. Every day we're able to walk our dog along these beautiful trails that people just dream about. So it's really lovely to see, you know, just, just to be in nature. We, that's what we love. Yeah. I, I spent some time around there actually last summer. It was the French Alps had sort of like eluded me for a little while. I don't like I'd passed through and I'd spent time in some other the Alps in some other countries, but I kept missing the French Alps in particular. And so we made kind of a point to spend some time there and uh, spend some time around Annecy and Chambéry and, and this whole area. So I, I feel like we're roughly we're in the same zone, right? Or that's, that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's, and it's right on the Rhone River. So just really stunning area lots of castles and uh, and what we love about the little area this is quite a quirky thing about this little town that we're we're in called yen they have they have a um an automatic um cheese machine <laughs> which is bizarre because you can get cheese 24 hours a day which we just love that's a very alpy thing to do like but you know innovation wise we were you know it seems to be quite a you know just a farmer's area and then all of a sudden we find about find out about this you know cheese vending machine that happen happens to be a couple of kilometers down the road so we we were just loving that the innovation um, around being able to have cheese 24 hours a day this is there are worse things right like that, that doesn't sound terrible actually that's funny you say that because on that same trip that I was just talking about we did pass into Switzerland around uh, Lauterbrunnen that area I don't know if you've yeah, been up yeah. in there I imagine you have and we were like doing like a biking trail kind of thing and came across this old like a very typical Swiss chalet, big farmhouse kind of thing. And they had like a little mini hut at the end of their driveway with all their like uh, fresh cheese, fresh milk, fresh yogurt, things that they had created. And, and I think there was there was like there were some very typical Swiss products in there that were like all homemade. And it was just like a little bucket there, like take what you want and leave some francs. And you're like, God, is it could it get any more idyllic than this? One? It's a bit like that, isn't it? Um, I think we're going to be complete cheese snobs and uh, food snobs when we go back to Australia. That's for sure. So because uh, everything is just is so fresh and just so intensely beautiful uh, yeah. in this area. So it's it's um, very pleasant for for sure. It's just uh, there's so much to take in there. I mean, it's beautiful history, great food. It's a, it's a super high quality of life. Uh, you said you said go back to Australia though. Is that like I? So from what I gather, you I want to. I'm so eager to pick your brain on this because I follow along some of the content that you produce, and I'm and I've kind of you know seen a bit of your life from the outside looking in. So now we get to to learn a little bit more. But I gather you're sort of like a full time digital nomad or or slow mad. I don't know how you define yourself, but what's the what's the lifestyle like these days? Okay, so we've been. Uh, I, I say the the royal we because uh, the founder and myself, um, Mark Phillips, and myself and my dog Dakar, we've been on the road for seven years now as digital nomads, and we just started by testing testing it out, you know, testing out this kind of living on the road kind of concept to see how it would work. 
so we travel we travel with a motorcycle and a car someone's got to chauffeur the dog around of course <laughs> and um and we share the riding so one day you know someone might be riding and then the, another day someone gets to do the riding as well and it helps a lot too when we're doing business in different areas and then we can come together later on so when Seven years ago when we started in, in Australia, we thought um, before we go overseas again, we'll travel around Australia so we know our country like inside out. <laughs> and having lived and worked in other countries before myself, I, I really was, had, I was very passionate about knowing my country better uh, before I went and lived again abroad. <laughs> so, so we spent probably four years camping around Australia. Uh, we, had a full drive, a rooftop tent, and we just camped everywhere. We loved it. We were traveling around Australia initially, helping with uh, startup ecosystems and helping to create this and, and build startup ecosystems in rural Australia. And we were helping, you know, co working spaces and startup weekends and things like that. So that's how it started. And then we discovered we really loved it. We spent a lot of time out outdoors. <laughs> And, you know, as you know, in Australia, the weather's quite good. So living outdoors is no problem at all. And we wanted to be quite nimble as well. So we didn't want to have a big caravan and um, drag stuff around because the whole idea about going on the road is just to minimalize and, and do things simply and really experience more than being inside all the time. So we were very reluctant to have a caravan or anything like that. So we, we literally like did camping for four years. But on the way, we found a problem that when we had to, you know, be inside and have, have a, an apartment, we couldn't find affordable days and we found it very difficult to, to book them. So that's how Nomad Stays, our current startup um, that brought us to France, heard and so we were just pretty much solving our own problem. I can't wait to dive into Nomad Stays because I'm really fascinated by what you're doing there. I was just looking at stuff. I've got to read this for the audience and I want to just hear your reflection on this. I, sometimes you write your own bio, you know, and then I think you don't think about it again or you just kind of like rattle it off and you think nothing of it because it's your life and you're like, oh, whatever. You know, it's just what I've done. Taking just a little excerpt from your LinkedIn bio here. Inspired by adventure travel, I achieved my fixed wing, wing pilot license, rode solo across America, lapped Australia and crossed three continents by motorcycle and traveled over to over 70 countries. Having lived remotely on Aboriginal outback stations, worked as a swim instructor in Hong Kong and teacher of English as a foreign language, worked for the Saudi Arabian Minister of Finance and Foreign Affairs as aircrew. Good God, you've done a lot. She who has the most fun wins, you see. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think you're winning. Hashtag winning. You're you're um you have you have achieved that. I mean, that's those are some incredible things. Like to do some of those things, it, like one or two of those things in a lifetime would be feat for for many people. So you you have you have been busy. <laughs> I, I think it's all about taking opportunity, <clears throat> and I you know all of those things that I that you mentioned there is just opportunities that came about you know I was doing some studies I was studying in in the USA and um, after at that stage I, we happened to have a motorcycle uh, we had two motorcycles in uh, America that we'd been traveling on and one of them sold really quickly after we did this big trip around America and um, one of them was still 
hadn't sold. So while I was studying over in the States, I thought, oh, it's based in San Jose, so I could just ride across America and because I can. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's there and I have a motorcycle. So, you know, why wouldn't I? (laughs) Yeah, so so that was just an opportunity that I I kind of took while I uh, was was over in the States and um, turned out to be just perfect planning. And it was we're, we're lucky enough to have some very dear friends in the States as well who looked after our motorcycles and um, so and, and who are motorcyclists as well. So we, you know, it's, I think it's luck and it's also that the luck that you make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the opportunities can be there, but you have to take them, you know, and not everybody says, oh, I can ride the motorcycle across the country, say, oh, I've got a flight. And I could just hop on that flight to get across the country. How long did that? How long did that trip take you? I'm curious. Actually, that trip was really quite quick because I had a bee in my bonnet. I wanted to go to aviation meetup that they had in Wisconsin, and it's you know been a dream of mine to go to that that meetup, particularly for aviators. So I maybe two and a half weeks to do that. Because and I hightailed it to Wisconsin because I didn't want to miss it. Um, I didn't want to get caught by bad weather or anything like that. So I kind of I went hard and fast, <laughs> not fast, you know, like. Uh, but I, I kind of, you know, was just staying one night, one night, one night. I wasn't spending any time really in a lot of the areas except for two weeks in the Wisconsin area where the um, the, the show, the air show, was on. So then I got to New York and I, while I was studying in the States, there just happened to be a lady who was from the other side of, of America in New York. And she said, yeah, yeah. She was a motorcyclist too. And she said, yeah, you can leave your bike with me. So no worries. And I was like, oh, great. This is perfect. So that, um, and, and it was sort of a, it was almost like a little bit of a, a last minute kind of decision, but, but it was a decision that I made. So I really needed, I personally, after having so such intense study, I needed some helmet time, I call it, um, mm. just to, to process everything that, had, that I, had, uh, I had studied. And it was just perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Definitely needed that uh, helmet time. And that's probably one of the things I absolutely adore about long distance motorcycling is that is helmet time. Just, you know, that beautiful moment where you just, it's just you and you and, you know, your voice, you can sing at the top of the, off your voice if you want to. No one can hear you. You're in the middle of the Mojave Desert and it is like, you can sing along to yourself and nobody no, nobody knows that you're doing it. So, I mean, there, there's something about the open road, like for sure. When you're, uh, when you're on a yeah. road trip, I'm a, I'm a road trip kind of person. I, I grew up driving long road trips and I've joked with my friends, like I live here in Spain now. And when you drive more than like, I don't know if you've recognized this also in France, but like in Europe, things are just closer together. So when you say, when you talk about driving two or three hours, people are like, oh man, you got to break that up into two days. You know, it's crazy. Um, and and I'm like, yeah, when I was young, like my parents, we lived in North Carolina. My family lived in Miami. We would get up in the morning and drive the 15 hours and get there for dinner. No big deal. And and, and so anyway, there, I've grown up around the, the road trip as being kind of a poor thing for me. And I've also done a, a U.S. cross-country road trip 
for a couple months and just love something about the open road. Like I can't quite explain it. I'm a camper van guy now. I'm not a motorcyclist, but I, I love driving around. You get to get into the small towns and the and like you just yeah. mentioned, the desert. You get to go see the things that you miss with the with the mass transport and 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 there's just there's something about it. It just there's a sense of freedom there. Yeah, I think um while being in Europe recently, I I noticed how people don't do the long distances, and I noticed how you you, you kind of do need to here in Europe particularly you need to take some time to really take it all in because extraordinarily beautiful especially Spain like where you are is just gorgeous we just came from Granada area actually and um, it, it is absolutely stunning um, yeah. so we, we tend to you know I don't know if we're really traveling that slowly um but when we do travel so we travel like one month at a time or three months at a time um so we'll spend a month at a time in a, in a place usually we can find a, a good place to stay and got good wi-fi but uh yeah we we tend to sort of take our time when we are traveling to take it you know to to take it all in because Europe is like I just and I've just recently just crossed Spain and it is an incredibly beautiful country just yeah. to, to drive across, drive across. And um, and it, there's so many times I wished I had a camper van where I could have stopped and just, you know, took taken it in a little bit longer. Yeah, so I, I'm very envious of your camper van. <laughs> I'm kind of envious of the motorcycle. The motorcycle seems cool, you know, like. Oh, it's fun. You're, you're, so, you're so right, though. I, actually, like one of the things, one of the moments where my wife and I said, like, okay, we're definitely, we've been, we've actually had two camper vans now. And the first one was kind of a disaster uh, story for another day. But the the first one, the second one now has gone well. But the in-between point where we were trying to decide, are we going to get a camper van or not, was uh, we were we were camping up in the Pyrenees at this campground park that we love in uh, near Parque called Ordesa y Monte Perdido. And I don't know if you passed through there, but anyway, it's a beautiful park. We, camp- we were camping there and this lady pulled up in this camper van next to us. And pretty sure she was French, actually. And we, we were chatting with her a little bit. And we, well, where do you live? And she said, oh, I live on Ibiza. You know, I live on the island of Ibiza out in the Mediterranean. We said, yeah, but you have a camper van. She said, yeah, you know, I just took the ferry. I drove, I left yesterday, took the ferry over to Barcelona. And then I drove up through the Pyrenees and now I'm camping here. And I thought like, that's incredible. <laughs> like you were just in this, in your little Ibiza village there on the Mediterranean, you know, on an island. And here you are in the top of the Pyrenees, you know, in, in, in a day. And yeah, that kind of thing's possible. When you uh, when you hit the road, so that was the moment when I said, "Okay, yeah, we're getting a camper van again." Yeah, I, I totally understand that because um, it really is beautiful. We we recently, uh, well, last year we we did thirteen countries, um, and for us in Australia, that's really exciting to say that because you know we can't just go to the next country like you can here. Yeah, same same for me for coming from the US, but to a little bit, I think Australians really appreciate that. Whereas Americans were like, yeah, I mean, we've got a couple countries close by, you know. But yeah, coming to Europe gives you this like amazing ability to just cross borders and experience different different things. It's, it's it never gets old, does it? No, it never gets old. And what I love is that the difference in the culture is so it, it's so obvious. It's very obvious. And, and, and I think I, I, I said this last year. I said, I think you need to drive with the culture. I mean, this, this is a funny thing to say, but, um, I, I, what I found after doing 13 countries last year is that when you drive with the culture, you know what country you're in and you, you, you know how they behave. Like there's this kind of behavioral kind of pattern they have. And it's really interesting. It's 
part of their culture. It's part, it's part of how they, even how they do business. So it's really fascinating to drive with them, you know, to drive with the Spaniards or to drive uh, with the French or, and, you know, we always kind of have a little bit of a laugh with the French because they don't mind about, you know, parking over the lines or, you know, parking in a skew-if way, whereas in Australia we go, oh, my goodness, you know. <laughs> so we can go, yay, we can French park. Yeah, you, you learn little things like that, right? Like where you're like, you're like, oh, I didn't know. I never thought about that, you know, that they would do something this and way. they're and... not offended. They're just no. like, it's just the way we do things, just, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. this, this sort of thing happens in Spain too. They have like a well-known thing called double parking, which is like, you know, on the road you parallel park, but then it's not, it's totally illegal, but it's perfectly acceptable to park next to the parallel parked car. And so like a car is parked up against the curb and double parked in the middle of the road. As long as you put your flashers on, nobody gets upset about this. And like technically you could get a ticket for it, but it's like it's like going two, two kilometers over the speed limit. Like you're, nobody's going to give you a ticket for that. And to me, it's like mind blowing them. You've got cars trapped in here and you're just gone. Like you just parked and people leave their car there and go go run into the grocery store or something. And you're like, this can't be real. It's just weird little things like that that are entertaining for some reason. But it's really fun because, you know, in Australia, people are like, oh, shock horror. And whereas here, it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Or, or, get really, or get really mad about it. Right? Like I've seen, you know, you think about like road rage and I don't see that here. Like I, I people use the horn sometimes or whatever, but there's a little bit of just like a relaxed, like the yeah. organized chaos is is accepted and uh, yeah. and i think yeah. in your country and in my country it's a little bit like no the rules are there we follow them yeah and i think one of the places that i found that chaos like normal is albania and uh bulgaria uh, whereas that you know you can expect a car coming towards you on the other side of the road <laughs> you know because that's just the way they, they they're quite erratic and for, 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 for me, when I first experienced it, I was like, oh, my goodness, what's, what, what's going on? Like, and, but now you just expect it. So um, I, that's why I think it's really, really a great thing to do is to drive with the culture that you're, you know, if, you, if you're coming to Europe, to drive in Europe is just fantastic. It really is. Where where are you now, by the way? I, I, I feel like you're not in the, you're not home home. I don't even know if home is the right word, but uh, given your lifestyle. <laughs> home is where the heart is, hey? <laughs> but we're in the Pyrenees uh, at the moment in uh, the little town of, uh, I'm going to say it correctly, uh, Lourdes. Lourdes. And yeah, so it, I wanted to come up into the Pyrenees to explore a little bit more while Mark was away in, uh, in the US and today actually. And um, so so while he was away, I went off flooring with my puppy dog <laughs> and we have spent some time here in Lourdes, a little bit of time, and in a beautiful little town, De Luchon. De Luchon, yeah. Yep. And it's very close to the Spanish border. That's probably one of my favourite places. I spent a bit of time there because it's a flying town. It's a really great place for you love fly uh you know gliders and parachutists and all sorts of people who love flying go there which i discovered by accident and so i totally love this place <laughs> 
and it's it's about an hour down the road, so we'll probably head there tomorrow. But um, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying exploring the Pyrenees at the moment. Yeah, it's that's a really gorgeous part of the Pyrenees too. Uh, when you actually that that place that I mentioned in the Spanish Pyrenees, the Parque Monte Perdido is in Ordesa y Monte Perdido is actually super close to where you are geographically, but there's no there's no direct connection. You have to drive like three or four hours around, go through Lourdes, and come back down south like towards the spanish border but geographically like it's super close you can actually like walk there faster than you could drive there i mean that's just a gorgeous part of the of the world i don't know if it's because the french alps are so beautiful that the french pyrenees get a little bit like overlooked but i mean it's they shouldn't be like in my i mean they're they're insanely beautiful the villages that are all tucked up in there the natural beauty it's it's an awesome part of the world it really is it's beautiful absolutely stunning part of the world we this year we traveled um from portugal um through spain and then into into france um and it's all of that um area like all of those countries are just stunning to to go through and explore i um, i feel i I sometimes i have to pinch myself i go oh this is just amazing (laughs) (laughs) we'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. Hey guys, so many of you write in asking how to support the show best. And if you are listening and made it this far into the episode, then I'm going to presume that perhaps you're one of those people that wants to help. So if that's the case, the best thing you could do right now would be to open up the app that you're currently using to listen to this episode. Go to the little arrow thing that allows you to share, select it and share it to one of your social media networks. That would be a huge, huge help. You can feel free to tag me at DC Warrington and I'll slap you a virtual high five from wherever I am in the world. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy listening to the rest of this episode. Let, let me ask you, I'm, I'm really curious because somebody might be thinking this, like you've built a really beautiful life for yourself where you've done all these incredible things and you're, you're traveling f- full time now. And I understand you have a bit of a minimalist lifestyle, it seems. You don't have a lot of things. Is there a, is there a secret sauce here? Like how, how did this come to be is like that you, you built this? Because somebody listening might be saying like, okay, how do I live this way? And, and if you can provide any, either any background, like, hey, yeah, I won the lottery and I retired at, at 32. Or, you know, I was a trust fund baby. Or, you know, hey, I worked really hard and saved the money and here's how I do it. I've got this awesome online business. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm super curious. And I imagine somebody else listening might be because it sounds super idyllic. Yeah. Um, look, the, the nomadic life isn't for everybody. I, I will say that because it, I have been very fortunate 
to have lived and worked in other countries before, living in, you know, living in houses and I've bought and sold properties before. So I've lived very well up until now. I'm now one. So I've I've lived and worked around the world and experienced what it's like to own a house, to renovate a house, you know, a number of times. So I've been lucky enough to have uh, experienced all of the the things that, you know, I've had. And what I realised in my travels as I was travelling around for work and for pleasure was that I really valued experiences more than the things. That I had because I would go off to live uh, to, to you know to travel. Uh, I've travelled um, over seventy countries now, and my partner has done a hundred countries. And I, what I realised is that I love people, I love experiencing people, and I love ex- experiences more than I love things. And you know, in saying that, I used to collect teapots and I used to collect antiques and art and all these things. So, and books, I love books. So to, to let go of those things was a real mind shift for me as I had to, as I made the decision to go on the road full time and explore this natural way of, you know, being the world. Uh, letting go of the stuff was in the, it was initially quite difficult because I was saying, oh gosh, you know, this is a, an antique, like this doesn't have a value. <laughs> and, but then I ended up giving, you know, my really precious things to my friends to enjoy and sold some things. And what I realized as I'm traveling now for seven years is that I don't need much like and I think that's what motorcycle traveling taught me is that I can live in two panniers that that's all my stuff like (laughs) so it's easy enough to do that and if I can live in two panniers I mean I don't really need much to to keep going so we need a computer of course good mobile phone um we need wi-fi but uh we really don't need much uh to to have a good life and I think that has occurred to me over time and having experienced a lot of different things in my life. That's a, that's a really good perspective, I think. And and especially, you know, I think some a lot of people, as we get like a little bit older, like maybe you think, okay, when I was 20 or 25 or something, you know, you you wanted to travel the world and see a lot. And and that, and you think, at least in my case, like I thought, okay, well, that that's just going to be for a period of time. And then I kind of have to settle down and then, the, then I'll have the rest of my life. And I think it's always really inspiring to see, like it sounds like in your case, you, you had this in you your whole life. You wanted to travel, you wanted to experience things and travel the world and keep seeing new countries and and things like that but that never you never retired from that and in fact it's almost like you you graduated into the like you're you you're getting your masters or phd in it now like being a full-time digital nomad and so i love how you've continued that trajectory it wasn't it wasn't something that you uh you gave up on at a, at an early age which i think is is really inspiring i i just remember as a kid always loving going new places and meeting new people and i was always so curious like I think I left home at the age of 16 so to join the to join the military I was too young obviously I had to wait till I was 19 but I couldn't wait to leave my hometown of Mackay <laughs> and uh and and explore more of the world I just remembered I just couldn't wait and I had a great upbringing so it's not like I want to run away from anything I lived on the beach I lived in paradise actually it was just gorgeous and every time I go back there I go you know what 
why do I leave here? <laughs> because it really is just, it's in the Sundays, it's absolutely beautiful, but um, I really appreciate how I, how I can see other people live and, and experience how other people live um, and how cultures communicate. And it just never gets boring, ever. It's just incredible how um, to observe as I travel. And, you know, obviously as we travel, we work online. So we have a mentoring business that we call Business and Bare Feet that we earn from. And also, uh, you know, the pink platform Nomad Stays is our other income. So we, and on just on that point about Nomad's Days, what we're finding so beneficial as a startup is to be on the road experiencing the pain point that a nomad goes through and also what uh, understanding more about what the days go through uh, and the, the, their pain points as well. So being on the road uh, business-wise is more, it's actually detrimental to understanding our business on a really deeper level, uh, on a much deeper level. So I'm really thankful that we have decided to build this business on the road because um, we are seeing insights that we wouldn't see if we were stuck in Paris in you know a co-working space. In, in and off. So being on the road is really important, especially in these early stages of our business. Can, can you elaborate on what Nomad Stays is for, for someone that has no idea? Sure, sure. So Nomad Stays is a, an affordable booking platform for digital nomads and remote workers for longer stays. We focused very much on being instant booking so that, as you know, these days it's instant messaging, instant booking, instant shopping, instant <laughs> everything. So we want things like yesterday. <laughs> so we're helping people to explore the world while working from anywhere because uh, and, and all of our stays actually nomad ready. So they, our stay owners know what a nomad is. They know what they need. They know what remote working is. So they understand that you need to have a, a desk that you can pop your, you know, your computer out on or they know that there's a co-working space down the road that they can enjoy. So it, it's basically nomad-ready accommodation for longer stay. So our minimum stay is one week, our max, you know, and so one week to one month. So these are these are like, forgive me if I use this word and you say that's a no-no in our business, but like it's like Airbnb for digital nomads specifically and longer term stays and they could like and also correct me if I'm wrong, they're they're somewhat unique. Uh, I, I see the pictures, I've seen the listings. They look like they're they're not your standard just basic walk in and I mean they, they look special. So we're very niched, as I said before, we're highly niched in our product. So we, we're only for digital nomads and remote workers, people who are living and working around the world. Mm -hmm. Um which is kind of the new business person these days anyway. But they're professional people um and they have specific needs. And what we found with the other platforms is that the prices are crazy, crazy, crazy prices. So yeah. we we want to fill rooms in off the beaten track places. And, you know, as we travel around Europe and, and see all these empty rooms, we're like, how do we fix this? Because there's these incredible little connected nodes everywhere. And, and some towns are actually falling apart at the seams because they can't get enough people to 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 be in the town and to bring money into the town all year round. So it's a it's a terrible it, it it's a problem 
where digital nomads can actually help, you know, fill these uh, rooms and fill these areas uh, and bring in, you know, good income. Uh, so a lot of the, the governments are recognising this and, you know, one of the first governments come on board with Digital Nomad Visa uh, was Croatia and they were kind of like a leader in there in that in that space. And as COVID happened, um, COVID-19 happened, you saw more and more Digital Nomad Visa coming on board because they realised the value of having people working and living from their time. So we uh, we we actually opened the month that COVID happened. That was our launch. Voila! And so in some ways, it's like, oh my god, what terrible timing! And then, I mean, it, and it was in that moment. But at the same time, then all of a sudden, remote work blows up, and digital nomad visas come alive. And so it kind of kind of was like perfect timing. <laughs> it the, was absolutely time. perfect timing because we grew forty percent um, solid every quarter throughout COVID. And what was and I hate to say this, it was a bit of a blessing in disguise in some way because it educated the world about digital nomads. So we were banging on about the digital nomads and people would go, uh, what? what's a digital nomad? What's remote working? And now they're all like, oh, remote working, digital nomads. Yeah, we know what they are. <laughs> so it educated the world for us. <laughs> I remember I said the word digital nomad to somebody and thinking like, I just, I just, this is maybe like two or three years ago or something. I said, I just threw the phrase out there in, in a random conversation. And this guy later came up and told me, he's like, I love that phrase. Like that's so like, he thought that I invented the phrase digital nomad. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to break it to this guy that like, that's just a common thing. Like he, he was thinking I was like really, really intelligent for having come up with a term for the traveling professional. And I was like, oh no, this is a thing already can't take credit but that's not the case anymore yeah it's it's a it's it's a household name and you see like the major publications out there writing about digital nomad this and digital nomad that and I, i've seen other phrases now like the traveling corporate professional or the the some, something like that and i'm like okay we're just rebranding it but whatever <laughs> <laughs> the executive remote worker and um yeah yeah that's um Christy's amazing. She she's doing some beautiful stuff uh, around the world. So you know, actually, Christy, we interviewed Christy uh, while she was a nomad on a boat. Who's Christy? Christy is the uh, founder of Executive Remote Worker. Oh, okay. And, um, so she, yeah. Um, and we we interviewed her as a as a new nomad basically through throughout COVID, and she was staying on a yacht, her and her husband, as nomad, living this nomad yacht life, <laughs> um, which we ended up getting on as a, um, a yacht stay with nomad stays. So you can actually wow. stay on a yacht uh, in Croatia as a nomad. That does not sound terrible. So uh, all right, so let's let's. I would love to ask you another question about nomad stays because that's this is a problem that I have with other platforms when I'm looking to go spend I'm I'm kind of like a slow mad these days I have my home base here in in Spain where I live most of the time and I probably travel like four to five six four to five months out of the year let's say and when I go to places I like to go for about a month like it it, it sounds super spoiled in some regards but like if I'm gonna go for less than a month it just it feels like a quick trip right so I, and I, that happens sometimes too but if I'm going somewhere it's like okay let's go be there for one two three months and and I think you and I share that it seems like we both want to like kind of immerse ourselves in that place. But to do that is super expensive. Like if you go into Airbnb and you plug in a place that you want to go, you're going to pay probably four to six times more per month than you would. Like the, the initial price that you see is going to be three to six times more than what you would pay in your wherever you are at home normally. 
maybe you can get the the owner to d- reduce that a little bit, but you have to brace yourself for this like pretty hefty price tag. And, yeah, and this yeah. is always very prohibitive for me. Mm. Yeah. So what we have focused on, um, because there's plenty of platforms out there that you can you know, pay exorbitant prices for you know accommodation for, for the month. However, we like to make sure that our nomad stays stay under 1500 euros so we're really targeting um this kind of 1500 and below so so that it is affordable and it's not more than you would pay in a mortgage um so getting and and to get those prices obviously it's not in cities so we like to focus on the on the regional areas being outside the city and little little villages and places off the beaten track as we like to call it um so we we're very focused on keeping it affordable and that's so we we actually knock back a whole lot of stays because their prices are just way past what we're actually trying to focus on so as the as the creators of the platform you might have somebody coming to you saying hey i want to list my property on nomad stays but there you'll you'll turn them away because of x y or z and one of those factors might be might be because they want too much that's that's really amazing to to think like the the <laughs> the other platform out there would say no as high i mean they literally push you as owners as property owners to raise the prices as much as you possibly can they give you indicators to say hey look you could raise your prices because you know if you're making more money then they're making more money and that just continues to inflate the prices so it's really awesome to hear that there's somebody out there creating a platform specifically for digital nomads and trying to actively keep the price low so that it doesn't try to just you know steal every every single cent that we've we've made along the way yeah yeah exactly and you know the 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 important thing for for people um, you know with the stays is that they understand what a digital nomad needs and that that, that digital nomad is going to spend money for that month in their town. They're going to add you know a good. They're probably going to drop a good two or three thousand dollars. You know, in, or maybe a couple of thousand dollars per person. So it's it's really valuable for them to have as an overall to to keep as many digital nomads as they can. And also we they add value to the community. Like um so there's there is a it's 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 overall a benefit to them to have a, an affordable price to encourage people to come in and live in their town and experience their town as much as possible because vacationers come in and then they leave they but they don't actually have the the mindset of a of a nomad a nomad uh, wants to add value to the town it wants to help um, the place thrive and so they'll they spend money. You know, in, in the, all the cafes, like uh, Mark and I will actually go to just about all the cafes, <laughs> just yeah. to, to you know all the restaurants, so that we can you know get a new experience every time. So we share the wealth around, but it's uh, it's it's something that can help, especially these European towns really thrive um, by having an inviting um, to, yeah. to to help them thrive. I, I, I saw some statistic. I don't know if this, you might know it better than me, but it was something like slow travelers, which digital nomads fit into that category, all in all invest about 40% more into an, a local economy than, than just typical vacationers. Um, yep. Just because they're they're more like living there, they're they're going out, they're trying all the different cafes, not just the one 
tourist restaurant, for instance, or they're, you know, they're, they're buying food at the grocery stores and they're, they're employing somebody to fix their laptop or so, you know, there's all these things that happen throughout the, throughout the course of the, uh, their stay. So I think that's a really important and probably overlooked fact is like, you see people traveling around, staying in these different places and you think, oh, cool. You know, they're just passing through, they're living a great life, but the impact that they're having on local communities and, and because people that tend to live this style lifestyle are also kind of bypassing uh, a lot of the major cities or a lot of the major tourist attractions, they're wanting to get off the road, off the, the to the road less traveled a little bit. And mm-hmm. so they're getting to these communities that that really need it and appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, some people even, you know, um, I, I don't know if you've seen that there's areas in Italy where they're buying up little towns um, and renovating um, small little villages just uh, with nomads and inviting yeah. nomads to come in because of the value that they add to the community and um yeah it's 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 much there's it's much more needed in these small communities because of the the impact that it has especially with these small little communities that are all all of their kids are leaving um so all of the all the brains are leaving <laughs> uh you know all these the young brain drain they go, call it. Are, are, yeah <laughs> uh, they're going into the big major cities and and you know they need people who are innovators and people who care about you know, the culture and bringing back the life into into their cafes and towns and so it's 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 highly valuable but it, i still think there's a long way to go educate these smaller regional areas out benefit them yeah and co-working spaces and um, and bringing innovation back into the town like you know having automatic cheese machines <laughs> this is the this is the baseline we want in every nomad village is a automatic cheese machine and a castle if possible well i love it i love the work that you're doing um when i see the places, i'm, I'm going to encourage people to go follow you that are listening and, and see some of the places that you post because in my opinion they're very they all look they look like they've been highly curated for for exactly the kind of people that that you know we're talking about here that are looking yeah. for unique experiences and and comfortable for the long term, you know, not a weekend kind of place, but really settling in for weeks or months and stuff. And we're, uh, we're incredibly like proud of our stays because they um, they have tried so hard to make sure that they encourage, you know, they they're they're, they're ready for digital nomads and mm. um, and they're, they're a lovely community of days. And that's how we grew into sixty three countries over the last two years because we had these stay owners who recognised the market and said, yes, we want to be part of this. Mm. Um, And, you know, obviously we keep it really affordable for the stays to to list their stays. So we... We just we want to encourage people to to explore more off the beaten track for sure as as a digital nomad and also to find these beautiful little villages and add some value to and spend a you know a month or three ideally three months is fantastic in a place if if you can do three months in a place at a time that's what we prefer to do not one month at a time but <laughs> it just depends on a number of well yeah no I th- I think people are gonna are gonna love what they see on the on the website and such. I would love to give you the opportunity here, mention where people can go to learn more and follow along you and, and the company itself. And, and we'll make sure to post all of this in the show notes as well. Well, the exciting news is that we're a .com now. We used to be a .co, but now we're a .com. So that's our latest. Whoa. <laughs> so it's nomadsdays.com. And we on all social media, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're Facebook. We have a 
community on Facebook. So come along and join the community. It will teach all nomadic glories. And yeah, and you know, send us a note on any social media. There's always one of our team there. We have a team of about 15 all um, fully remote um, staff members. So there's always someone there to chat with. <laughs> and we, we, and if there's any, you know, um, nomads out there that want to give the platform a go, we'd love to hear your feedback as well because we are obviously open for bookings. Um, so you can make a booking and it's all instant bookings as well. So it makes it nice and easy and for you to make it. We're, we're pretty much on all social media. Um, if you're Fantastic. on LinkedIn, drop me a line, say g'day or bonjour. Wherever you're writing in from or wanting to go to one of the 63 countries you're in, that's that's incredible. I had no idea you were in that many countries. That's that's really impressive. Linda, thank you so much for for sharing your story and uh, and more about Nomad Stays. I, uh, I look forward to hopefully traveling with you guys here soon. I'm going to I'm gonna check it out myself. So thank you so much. I hope you have a great day in the Pyrenees. I'm not even a little bit jealous. Uh, and, uh, You're just over the uh, over the mountains, though. <laughs> I mean, the the Mediterranean life isn't horrible either. But uh, you know, you want what you can't have. Thanks so much for having us here. We really appreciate it. And um, adventure on. <laughs> right, right at you. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.